Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a wonderful woman who's got a really fascinating topic to talk about. Her name is Diana Ciolcola. Is, is that how you pronounce your surname? <laughs> Ciolca. Ciolca. Okay. Sounds very, very, very um, interesting surname. Where does that come from? So I'm originally from Romania, so that's a Romanian last name. So, but I, it doesn't mean anything in particular. <laughs> okay, well, I've never I never heard it before, so I was sort of intrigued about that. So, um, Diana is a tantric coach, love, sex, and relationship um, specific around um, educating people around specific things to do with uh, tantra and how we can enhance our intimate relationships. So, Diana, first of all, how did you actually get into, you know, doing what you're doing at the moment? What, what's your sort of uh, personal story as to how you've got to do what you're doing now? Yes, thank you so much for this question. I have actually had a career switch. I am trained as an engineer. I have graduated from a master's degree in chemical engineering. Wow, <laughs> that's a change. Yeah, definitely. That's a change. But uh, what happened and what um, what inspired me to switch to this career is that I was facing a burnout during my master and during my education. And then I went for a bit of soul searching. I was also really struggling in my romantic relationships. And, and there was always something there that wasn't really working. So when I went on and studied Tantra, I studied nonviolent communication and uh, later, um, and right now I'm still studying uh, love and relationships, I found such a profound healing to my own relationships and really to my heart and sexuality. And through that, I was able to just blossom in life, right? So that really inspired me to start to, to offer this sort of healing to other people as well. So it was really a personal story. (laughs) And uh, I think quite often it is, isn't it? Uh, You know, all relative to our personal circumstances that uh, ends up taking us on to uh, a a totally different new life path. So all credit to you for that. So Mm. what what specifically did you learn about yourself? And, um, you know, what made you decide to then specialize in this? Yeah, so what really touched me uh, when I started to go on this journey was it was almost like a like a sort of curtain was lifted from my eyes right so I started seeing how my childhood impacted the way I relate to partners and to my sexuality all the conditioning around women's sexuality that is basically we're swimming into so a lot of us is like a fish in the water they don't really know that they're swimming in the water but we are swimming in a sea of judgments and conditioning around women's sexuality and sexuality in general 
Um, so it really touched me. What really touched me was what happens when you heal that? It's almost like you start living on a different planet. The way you, the way, the way you can open to life, the way you can really believe that everything is possible and take ownership for your own life and the, the intimacy that can happen in your relationships once you heal those child, childhood wounds, once you heal this trauma that we're all kind of swimming into around sexuality, it's really powerful. Yeah, and, and not only sort of childhood wounds, but then on the back of those wounds, creating more wounds for ourselves by having dysfunctional or even toxic relationships. Yes, definitely. The funny thing with the unconscious brain is that it's always going to look for a situation that resembles the one that you grew up in. So even if we are aware, and not, not all of us are, but even if we are aware of uh, the way we have been brought up, it's like our brain constantly search for this search for the situations um, in, a, in an attempt to heal. But oftentimes we don't have the tools that are necessary to heal. And oftentimes we seek it in the other partner. And that is definitely not very productive most of the times. And the, and the sole reason for that is that we don't need to sort of, I suppose, um, say there's anything wrong with that. Because, you know, this is based on the fact that we're not educated or parented to... Um, you know, uh, or even have parents who are good role models for healthy relationships. So if you are somebody that's listening and, uh, you know, you are somebody that knows that you've had um, wounds from your childhood that need healing and uh, perhaps a track record of not having very good healthy relationships, then that's not your fault. You know, this is the reason why we're educating people now on these podcasts and giving them the tools and the awareness to know that, you know what, this is how things should be <laughs> for you to create healthy relationships. And um, it's not about, you know, beating yourself up for not knowing this beforehand, is it? Definitely not. I mean, I think it's very rare nowadays when a person is fully aware because we don't, as you said, you know, we have media, what sort of relationships are there portrayed in media? What do we learn there? Not much. I mean, when you look to Disney movies that kids grow up with, uh, it's mostly about Prince Charming's saving the princess or a happy ever after. Love just looks so easy. And it can be, but not when we have been conditioned or we have this wounding that happened in our childhood. And sometimes, you know, even if we have perfect upbringing, um, we still live in a world where it's sometimes very difficult to, to be in. And all these things can get to us and um, create some certain wounding. And it is difficult. So definitely, I totally agree. It, there's nothing to beat yourself up about. It's more about bringing awareness and that there's something else possible for you out there. Yeah, I just want the listeners to know they're not alone. You know, we've all grown up with this societal conditioning. And like you say, even if you've had a happy childhood, all the parents were, you know, they that showed you a good example and role model for how relationships should be it doesn't mean you necessarily have still have got the tools to be able to create that for yourself does it yeah definitely definitely um sometimes you see people that grow up in very happy families that still cannot 
um, cannot support a, a healthy relationship. And that's sometimes also because of the expectations about relationships, right? So having healthy parents doesn't, or have healthy upbringing doesn't always mean that you will have the right tools. Um, yeah, and what I'm seeing a lot of times is, you know, relationships are so complex because it's you and it's me, but there's also the relationship. And what I see a lot of my clients struggling very often with is how do you keep the spark going in long-term relationships, right? Um, and nowadays there's also a lot, right? Relationships are just becoming more and more complicated because before there was, okay, this is monogamy. This is the way to relate to each other. Um, you get married and that's it. But now there's all these options out there, um, all this different way of relating to each other. And coming back to what I was saying, a lot of people sort of give up on their relationship when the spark is not there anymore because they would expect that it just happens automatically and naturally. Um, and that is, in my experience, not the case. Yeah, I agree. You know, we're all equally responsible for what we're experiencing in our relationships. We might not like to, you know, hear that, but we actually are, aren't we? <laughs> yes, definitely we are responsible. And, you know, I just want to give a disclaimer here. I'm not saying that anybody who is in a toxic relationship, they're not necessarily responsible for what is happening to them. It's not that it's your fault that you're being abused uh, or in an abusive situation. Definitely not. That's that's a no. different topic. But if you are in a in an in 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 a healthy partnership, right? your own state of being is your responsibility. And we often tend to outsource that to our partners. Yeah. And I think that this is where uh, things are starting to go wrong. And that's the same with sexuality and relationship, actually. Uh, we often blame it on the other. Oh, they're not so attractive anymore. They don't bring flowers anymore. But um, what to me is important, and I want to express that to our audience today, is that your sexuality, just like everything else, is your own responsibility. So instead of looking at your partner or what they are, what they are not doing anymore, what they're doing wrong, how would how about you look within what is happening in your body and how can you reconnect to your own sexuality so you can light the fire in the relationship? Yeah, I always put it across to people that um, you know, ask yourself empowering questions rather than criticizing your partner ask yourself empowering questions like what you've just said, you know, how can I um, change this situation? What do I need to see? What do I need to do? You know, and those answers will come from within, won't they? If you start asking yourself more empowering questions. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes, of course, you need guidance. And that's why I am doing what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> you are doing what you're doing, right? And um, it's all about asking yourself questions and communicating, right? So if, I, if somebody asks me what is the secret to good intimacy in a relationship, to me that is really the number one thing is communication. A lot of times we are really afraid of conducting these discussions around, I actually don't feel so much attraction for you anymore because it, there's a fear that it almost feels like a rejection for the other. Mm. But it doesn't have to be that way. It can be in a way that, look, this is happening to me and I want to make it work together. How can we do that? 
right? So in a way, if you do open up to your partner about this, um, it can really be an intimate thing to do because you have that trust. Yeah, there doesn't have to be that criticism of, oh, like, you don't turn me on, I don't find you attractive. That could be quite hurtful putting across that way but there are ways you can put it across in that you know I'd love to get the spark back in our relationship you know we used to have so much fun and playfulness and I want to recapture that you could express it in that way can't you yeah and that's something really important that I I always say it it it, there's the thing with outsourcing feelings like you are making me feel that way or you are making me uh, unhappy but this is never First of all, it's not true. And second of all, it's never a really good way to communicate that with our partners. Um, <laughs> most of the time it's counterproductive. So I really recommend um, expressing into, I feel this is what's happening with me. Yeah. And definitely when we have that conversation with our partners, of course, you're having it from a place of love. I want it to work, right? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. So tell us a little bit more about Tantra then, because I really find this as a subject I'm quite fascinated by myself personally. I'm sure there's lots of audience members that are interested that have never maybe even heard of the word Tantra or, and, and don't probably even know what actually it embodies. So could you tell us a little bit more about Tantra and Tantric practices that our audience might be able to relate to and and want to find more out about yeah definitely I would love to tell you more about tantra um so okay so tantra it's it's um very broad and in the west right now it's being misused a lot in the context of every when you hear tantra you think about sex And the thing with Tantra, only a small part of, there's different schools of Tantra and only a small part of the teachings are about sexuality. But I think that why, the reason why it is um, so highly sexualized right now is because it's one of of the few traditions that actually allow the body to be part of a, part of the higher, how do you say that? Like, you know, in Buddhism, you always kind of like try to transcend the body. In most of the traditions and religious traditions, you're trying to transcend the body. And in Tantra, it's the other way around. You achieve um, enlightenment, let's say, through the body, through this humanity, through this reality, right? So there's no need to hope that afterwards uh, you will reach... uh, like it is in Christianity that you'll go into paradise, but in Tantra, it's like, how can I make paradise here right now in my body in the, on this earth? So compared to many other tradition, it really includes the material world, including sexuality. Um, so therefore a lot of people now in the West are making Tantra uh, very much about sexuality which is okay. I mean, it's, it's okay as long as it's done with integrity. So can you explain a little bit about, you know, if you was actually introducing somebody to Tantra, what, what that would actually entail, you know, in terms of an experience? Yeah. So when we go 
when I, when I work with tantric practices, it's always about getting into the body. So feeling the felt sense in the body, what are the different sensations? I mean, so, so often we're disconnected from our bodies, right? So sitting there, so I don't know, you probably know what meditation is. Um, a lot of times, times people meditate, paying attention on their breath and um, yeah, trying to calm down their nervous system or something in those lines. But in Tantra, we meditate, or at least the way I do it is meditate on the body. What are the emotion fully feeling all the emotions that, that are there in the body, fully feeling all the sensations that are there in the body. Um, and it's all about intimacy. How can I get more intimate with myself? How can I get more intimate with life? And I also use it with my couples that I um, coach. How can I get more intimate with myself and with the other? So something in the beginning, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful practice would be how to, can I eye gaze with my partner for five minutes and see what, that, what comes up for me? And most of the times there's a lot of discomfort there because we are really not used to create intimacy anymore in our lives. I've actually done that a few times, actually, you know, not actually with my partner, funnily enough, but with, uh, you know, uh, being part of an exercise at a, a training, of, a couple of training events where we've done that eye gazing and I found it really, really powerful. You know, you can almost um, pick up that person's life history and their, their previous pain even. And uh, I've often found myself with tears rolling down my face. Yes, definitely. We are deeply intuitive beings, right? So um, we'll, in Tantra, we work a lot with energy as well. I don't work that much with couples right now with that. I do it more on the body and on the practical things. But of course, if you do more advanced tantric practices, it's also all about energy. How can you tune into the energy of the other? And some people can easily do it to tune into that. So then, yeah, you can feel different emotions that they may have been feeling and uh, it's all about that intimacy and connecting to another human being and yeah this people <laughs> the people that have created this tradition knew that for thousands and thousands of years but science right now is also backing up that you know it the way a human being can feel complete is by connecting to another we're such a tribe animal so why tantra can be so healing is because it brings that aspect of connection to our lives that most of the times it's missing so when we you're going through a, an exercise of, of i suppose it's initially do you start with even if you're working with couples getting people to um recognize sensations and feelings in their own bodies first before they um you know, explore um, how they can connect to the other. Yeah, that is usually the case. And I really love to work separately um, with the men and the women because it does sound sometimes that the processes are a little bit different. But in my experience, the only way to connect to another is by connecting to yourself first. So definitely by feeling the sensations in the body and What's also really important in Tantra is that nothing is really bad 
and nothing is really good. It's everything is the way you want to use it. So we work a lot with judgments, for instance, if people have a lot of judgments about their partners, how can we voice those and how can we actually learn something from them? Because a lot of times we pile up things that we don't want to say to our partners and in the long run, it only ends up building up resentment and then blowing up. So we work with these judgments and with presence. How can the other partner be present for those judgments without without making them making it like a personal thing yeah. yeah so i suppose it's a case of helping the partner hear those judgments without reacting but you know just being present and observing <laughs> more yeah and it can be so healing that you can really open your heart to your partner and say some things that maybe you're judging yourself as that's not so nice to say, but in, in fact, be met with love and compassion for all of these judgments and for all of these pain points, right? So that can really be healing and can really create a lot of intimacy. So how do you prepare people beforehand? Because obviously they're going to probably, like you say, feel and hear things that are quite uncomfortable. So how do you prepare people for that? Yeah, I I am very intuitive. So I work, um, I always feel when, is it too much too soon? Is it not? So a lot of times I don't just dive right into it right away. I sometimes really take some time to explain so that the mind is also on, on board with us. And also just really explain how normal, normalize these things, right? So I first give the couples tools, how to feel grounded in your body. How can you actually bring yourself back from a trigger? And what are the tools needed to be able to cope when something is really intense? And also boundaries, right? Because it, it, it doesn't mean that if I ask you to do an exercise that you will not feel a lot of pain. It can be that you will feel a lot of pain. So it's always about trust and boundaries. Um, setting that boundary if it's too much too fast. So that's definitely something that I do to make sure that it is bearable for everybody. And sometimes, you know, um, give them the expectation that maybe, you know, some of the things that are going to come up are going to, you know, cause you that pain and you may want to shed some tears and that's fine because those will be healing tears won't they you'll be releasing that pain through those tears yes definitely um and i i love that you say that a lot of times we avoid pain right we we and i don't know why it is it's probably because we have learned at very young age at a very young age that pain is not good anger is not good but it is part of the human experience. And that's also where Tantra comes in. Every single emotions that you're feeling is sacred and is beautiful. Um, some used to call, some are calling it goddess consciousness, right? All the movement of emotions from the whole spectrum is you can perceive it as goddess consciousness as part of reality. So a lot of times I, I also 
um, express that to the people I work with, that everything is normal, everything is okay. Allow yourself to feel it as long as it's not hurting another person. It is just energy wanting to move through your body. It is just normal part of humanity to feel all the spectrum. Yeah. I often put it across that, you know, pain in our lives is inevitable. <laughs> Suffering is an option. So, you know, you know, going through life because we're human beings and are prone to um, being able to feel and express emotion, obviously there are going to be times where we feel pain. But that pain can be, you know, if we're given the right tools to deal with it, can be something we can heal and um, release quite quickly. Uh, and, you know, it's when we don't do that, it's when we decide to suppress it, that we go into that victim mentality and, and we suffer long term when there's actually no need to suffer. You know, we can find ways and uh, tools to actually you know, heal and release that pain quite quickly and effectively, which is what we're all about, I suppose, in terms of what we do, isn't it, Diana? Yeah, I love that you say that, that there's a clear distinction between pain and suffering. Pain is something that moves through, you know, it give it a few minutes, give it a few, maybe an hour, right? And it's moving through, it doesn't stay. And suffering is something that we are creating by judging our own feelings. So that is definitely something that we talk about in Tantra, but it's also something that they talk about in science is emotions is different than meta emotions. And the meta emotions are basically how you feel about how you feel. <laughs> so it's a little <laughs> confusion here, but uh, if I feel pain and I feel sadness because I feel pain then I drive myself into suffering because I drive myself into that victimhood that that self-pitying yes right? yeah and it's, it's understanding that we actually are doing that to ourselves and, and again not not passing any judgment on ourselves if that's what you find that you have done yourself it's just because you haven't had the awareness to deal with it any differently up to now but know that if you are permanently in that rabbit hole of um you know, suffering, as we're referring to, uh, and staying there for a long time, it, it actually is down to us doing that to ourselves more often than not. And there are ways to get yourself out of it, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something I always do to, with my clients. Sometimes it's uh, <laughs> very interesting because I've seen a lot, right, in my in my tantric um, journey. And um a lot of times we shame the reactions of the body or the emotional reactions in our in our society. It's very taboo to see somebody screaming or stamping their feet or or actually your body shaking and releasing, right? But I am used to that and I somehow I think it's also in my energy field. And and people feel that, right? So when I walk into a room and I um lead a workshop for instance or if I work with a, with customer with clients they feel it right so sometimes what I do in a session is all about allowing it so they're like oh I feel this pain here okay let's just allow that to be there right and that's basically what the session may look like just letting your body feel letting things move through your body 
so much more than trying to fix something because that and there's the counterintuitive thing if we go into self-development because we think that something is wrong about us that, that we are broken most of the times it's not a good it's okay if you start here but that's is for me it is important to change that mindset mindset with my clients because you are already whole you are already perfect right there's only some things that might have gotten to you in the meanwhile and those are the things that we work to release or to work with but there's nothing inherently wrong about you no and i think unfortunately mental health has um become a bit of a subject that we're, we're almost okay ashamed to admit to having any issues but also I think it is normal to have emotions that are negative now and again and it doesn't make you um, insane it doesn't make you um, somebody who's got mental health issues or problems it just means you haven't got the tools or awareness to manage your your negative emotions that's all it means doesn't it I mean it's such an interesting subject mental health but I think you know there's big um, some people wear it with pride and say I've got mental health issues and I'm depressed and I'm a victim and a, a woe is me and, and wear it like a badge of honor uh, uh, <laughs> and other people are ashamed because they think oh you know I, because I've got these issues around my negative emotions then you know it must mean I've got some mental health issues that, that are ashamed of but Actually, it's just part of being a normal human being. It's just that we haven't been educated to deal with our negative emotions, have we? Yeah. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, and I just want to mention that if you don't, if you're not willing to feel your negative emotions, then it's impossible for you to feel the more positive ones. Because the same system that is that you're using to shut down your negative emotions is also automatically gonna stop your po more positive emotions. So it's like a cap; it doesn't have a filter. I'm just gonna let through the positive ones and hold back on the negative ones, right? So that is what happens with people a lot when they numb their self themselves, and. Not always, but in a lot of cases, I see people with anxiety and depression that actually what is happening is that they're just, and not, again, not to shame, but this is the only way they know to how to deal with it. It's just that they numb themselves because they feel like it's too much. Yeah. Right. And oftentimes, and anxiety, and oftentimes with anxiety, I notice that this is the easier thing to feel rather than feeling the loneliness and the, the, the rage or the, the deep pain that might have been there for a big betrayal for, or something with our parents when maybe our parents are not treating us right or they didn't do it in childhood. It is very difficult for a child to understand because they're very wise as children, right? Children are really wise. They know exactly what love is and what is not. But when they're seeing their caregiver not treating them with love, they don't know that, okay, my parent might have had a difficult day at work. So what they're, they're making it that it means they make it, they make it mean something about them. So then when you're an adult and you have told yourself this story your whole life, 
and then you covered it with something because it was too painful to handle, of course, it's going to be really difficult for you to feel those emotions because they are almost at the core of your being and what it means that it's almost like this unworthiness of feeling alive, right? So it's really big to feel. So then, of course, you're going to go and feel depressed and anxious because those are easier to feel. Yeah, and then we get used to being in that space, don't we? We get used to because that's our comfort zone. Of that's the way we manage life from them, that point onwards is, is always um, being in that negative emotional state. Yeah, yeah. It gets just wired in your nervous system as this is the default state. <laughs> so it's really important to go and rewire that with other feelings. But that's that can't be done unless you feel what was there originally, the original wound. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is what can be taught and what what people can be made aware of, that they can change that if that has been their history or default mechanism for coping with negative emotions, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, it, there's a saying, you can't feel, you can't heal what that's what you can't feel. And you need to go there and feel what happened and get the right guidance. And oftentimes with childhood um childhood uh, adverse experiences it's actually a big thing right sometimes we think that is normal what we experience in childhood but most of the times it's not and it's really important to go and dig there and that's always something that comes up for me in in my sessions everything with sex love relationship it's it always connects back to childhood and very rarely it connects back to a bad or negative experience that happened in adulthood. But most of the times it's something that happened in childhood. And we it's a core wound that we, something we told ourselves about ourselves, right? So that's really important to go there and look at it. And on that note, Diana, thank you so much for sharing your background your wisdom and your insights around this fascinating topic that uh, you know has given us a little bit of a an insight into tantra we'll probably do another more in-depth episode around tantra and tantra experiences and how that can enhance our sex lives but i did think in today's episode you you touched it on it in a way as to how we can be more in touch with our feelings and our bodies you know, to heal core wounds. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So for the audience, what would be your best contact information, Diana, for um, them to be able to contact you? Yeah, I am very active on Instagram. So if you want to be in touch with my news, but also to, I, I post a lot of content there. Uh, educational content my instagram account is diana underscore pillow talks and i hope to see you there and connect <laughs> diana underscore pillow talks we will make sure we see you there so thank you so much again diana fascinating conversation and uh very very happy to have you on the show thank you so much <laughs> and it just leaves me to say as I always do, true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. 
Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.